Welcome to Family Room Discussions, where I open up my family room to talk about the week's lessons from Come Follow Me. I'm not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I'm just an average Latter-day Saint seeking to grow my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures. Discussing Come Follow Me with others helps me in my conversion. I hope you'll join in the gospel dialogue by sharing your insights. Without further ado, let's start this family room discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode 30, following along with the word of God, grew and multiplied, Acts chapters 10 through 15. Yep, I'm behind. It was actually a coworker this week who gave me the accountability talk that I needed <laughs> to get back, to get on track. Um, he reminded me, Josh, a friend from work, reminded me that I do have a podcast and that um, I enjoy doing it. And so it's important to be timely and relevant. So we're going to get on track. In the introduction, it says, during his mortal ministry, Jesus Christ often challenged people's long-held traditions and beliefs. This didn't stop after he ascended into heaven, as he continued to guide his church by revelation. For example, during Jesus' life, his disciples preached the gospel only to fellow Jews. But soon after the Savior died and Peter became the leader of the church on earth, Jesus Christ revealed to Peter that the time was right for the gospel to be preached to non-Jews. The idea of sharing the gospel with Gentiles doesn't seem surprising today. So what's the lesson in this account for us? Perhaps one lesson is that both the ancient and modern church, a loving Savior, guides his chosen leaders. Did I read that right? That sounded weird in my head. Perhaps one lesson is that in both the ancient and modern church, a loving Savior guides his chosen leaders. There we go. Continuing revelation is a vital sign of the true and living church of Jesus Christ. Like Peter, we must be willing to accept continuing revelation and live by every word of God, including all that he has revealed, all that he does now reveal, and the many great and important things he will yet reveal pertaining to the kingdom of God. There are two sections in this lesson that stuck out to me, and that's what I want to talk about. So it's both section one and section two. In section one, God is no respecter of persons. The lesson reads, for generations, the Jews had believed that being of the seed of Abraham or a literal descendant of Abraham meant that a person was accepted and chosen by God. They considered anyone else an unclean Gentile who was not accepted by God. In Acts 10, what did the Lord teach Peter about who is accepted with him? Ponder what is meant by the statement, God is no respecter of persons. Why is it important to you to know this truth? Like the Jews who look down on those who were not of the seed of Abraham, do you ever catch yourself making unkind or uninformed assumptions about someone who is different from you? How can you overcome this tendency? It might be interesting to try a simple activity for the next few days. Whenever you interact with someone, try to think to yourself, this person is a child of God. As you do this, what changes do you notice in the way you think about and interact with others? I have a lot of thoughts here uh, on this particular lesson. So my first thought is to make this more modern for something I've known, or, or one way in which to modernize this example of, you know, the Jews and the Gentiles um, could be whether you're a, you know, a pioneer ancestry member or a convert member. Um, I've never personally witnessed someone being judged because they were, you know, a convert and have that pioneer heritage or their great, 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 great grandpa and, and, and the family didn't come across the plains and uh, was a pioneer and settled in Utah. But I do, I have heard, you know, I've heard that account from people that they've experienced that. Uh, because I wasn't there, I can't witness to it, but I could see that being maybe a modern day example for us. But as I was pondering this, I believe there are two issues 
that we deal with, um, or at least that I've witnessed personally. So one issue that I've, uh, I've observed is that there is still prejudice, there's still bigotry, there's still racism, sexism, and so on. I, I've witnessed those behaviors um, personally. Uh, it's not like it's this very common occurrence, and I'll get to that. But I have witnessed those behaviors in in others or, or seen that happen. Uh, and I'm sure I've had some prejudice that I've, you know, been unaware of and have said things that were unkind or insensitive. I, I know that's the case because I, I know myself and I like to be funny. And so when you're, when you like to be funny, you often run to the risk of being super insensitive. Uh, our prophet and his apostles or the apostles, I should say, Christ's apostles have been super clear to us as saints that we cannot let any of these attitudes exist within us. Just in 2020 in the general conference, Elder Oaks gave a talk and in it he said, uh, and I quote, as citizens and as members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we must do better to help root out racism. That was specifically referring to racism, uh, but he goes on to talk about any attitude that is uh, negative or prejudiced towards other people or unchristlike specifically needs to be rooted out of us. And so I've witnessed these unrighteous attitudes among our members, not just in the world. I've, I've witnessed this, the, this among members. There's another issue, though, that I've noticed, which is on the flip side or, or on a different spectrum. Maybe it's the same spectrum, opposite side of it, which is that there are, me- are members or individuals who it's almost like their entire life's work is to go and find every single attitude of prejudice or every make it so that prejudice exists in every aspect of life. It's like their, their goal in life is to root it out and find it, uh, every unrighteous action or unrighteous thought or deed. And then they go so far as to completely miss the mark when it comes to grace, forgiveness, repentance. Uh, I think in a kind of current culture sense in America, right? We talk about cancel culture as a thing. Um, a lot of, I mean, my friends even joke about it, like never being part of the cancel culture or saying anything that gets you canceled. And, uh, and, and kind of joking or teasing about that since we're clearly not important enough to ever fall into that camp. Um, but these two, uh, to me, what I see on this spectrum, the problem is that both are missing the mark. Obviously being, having any prejudice or bigotry, racism, sexism, you know, any of the isms, uh, reminds me kind of of like in the book of Mormon, where it talks about the Nephites, the Lamanites, the Lemuelites, the Samuelites, the every matter of every manner of it, right? It's where we put ourselves in these camps, these categories, where we're, we're judging people based off the color of their skin or what gender they fall into or what interests even the people like or, or all these things specifically that people can't control that's not even a good indicator at all of, of who someone is, who someone truly is. And so I think it's all about hitting the mark and, and Christ has taught us that he's no respecter of persons and we shouldn't be either. And so even to be... I, there are there are things that I have that I know of 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 things when I come to like what level of a member what level of a saint do I consider someone to be that I've really had to work at and will continue to have to work at um, removing that are based off of personal appearance right the way someone dresses the way uh, someone acts and I've had to remove those things or work on removing those things because it's it's difficult when someone is different than me 
Um, you know, I, just because I don't think of anyone in terms of like the color of their skin, I do think of people in the terms of what they wear. And that's, that can be really bad if you're limiting someone on their, any time that we try to limit someone on their, uh, their potential as a child of God, we are finding ourselves in Satan's camp. And so that's something we need to work at, rooting out within ourselves and in our homes. To go on with what I was talking about with the, uh, where you're missing the mark if you also spend every single day looking for every manner of injustice that could possibly be done. In Acts 10, 34 and 35, it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Um, and that scripture is actually why I had an issue. Specifically in 2020, I think there was a huge topic about privilege. What level of privilege you have. And while I do believe that there's certain economic privileges that are granted based off of uh, the home you're born into, at least in America, I, I genuinely do not believe that there's a, a privilege associated with any race or or any of those. Like, I think for the most part, everything can be counted to like a socioeconomic status. But to me, the reason it doesn't matter is because of the scriptures, where it says at the end of the day, all that really matters is that you fear God, that you work righteousness, and then you'll be accepted. So even if you don't, you know, live in a million dollar mansion in your life. That doesn't matter. Your ultimate goal are all of us are working towards this eternal destiny. And so for me, that's why I don't sit there thinking, what do I lack or, or what don't I have? Um, because I'm just working towards my eternal destiny. I'm trying to work out my own righteousness with God. You know, I, the mortal blessings are fleeting. It's the eternal blessings I want. And so I, I think you you do far more for yourself when you don't miss the mark here. Um, root out any unrighteous thoughts or unchristlike actions that you have. And then also don't spend your time looking at what everyone else seems to have or, or all the blessings that other people are given that you don't have. Um, you do far more for yourself when you focus on your own blessings and increasing them for other people. In section two, Heavenly Father teaches me line upon line through revelation. When Peter saw the vision described in Acts 10, he struggled at first to understand it and doubted in himself what it should mean. Yet the Lord gave Peter greater understanding as Peter sought it. As you read Acts chapter 10, 11, and 15, notice how Peter's understanding of his vision deepened over time. How have you sought and received greater understanding from God when you had questions? And I love this because I have struggled to understand revelation that I've been given. And I get caught up. I don't know about you. I get caught up sometimes in wanting to receive everything all at once. This is, I'd say that's actually the greatest weakness I have is that I want all the answers all at once. When I get down on my knees and pray, I'm like, tell me everything. Let's just get it out of the way. And I don't believe that it's God that wants to withhold all the information. But as an all-knowing and all-wise God, he knows that I can't handle it or there's things that I'm just not ready for and prepared for. And I'd love to say that I am. I love to believe that I am. But time has taught me that if I were to have all the answers all at once, at least in specific situations and instances where I've prayed for revelation and received it, that I wouldn't even know what to do with the pieces that I've been given were it not for more time, more understanding, more life experiences. You know, I remember right out of college at praying and saying, what, okay, what's my career? What am I supposed to be doing? Well, I can tell you at now 30 years old that I am still like, I feel like I'm only at the beginning of my journey of uncovering this revelation of what it is that God wants me to do. I say that God wants me to do, obviously it's my agency too. It's what I want to do. Um, 
but I believe there are things, there are places that I need to be and people that I need to meet to accomplish the mission that I have here on earth. And a lot of that is being fulfilled through my career. There's, I've had experiences that prove to me I've been where I was supposed to be for specific people at specific times. And so for me, at least, uh, that's something I know to be true. And so as I've been trying to uncover these pieces, you know, day over day and year after year, I can tell you that I never would have believed I'd be where I'm at right now. Back right when I graduated college, I would have been like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. That doesn't make any sense. And so it's wisdom to recognize that things will be line upon line. The other lesson that we can learn from Peter is the fact that God puts it on himself to make sure we understand the revelation. He doesn't just say, oh, you didn't get it the first time. Well, that's too bad. Like, I'm not going to explain anymore. And so let's talk, let's, let's read a couple verses here. Acts 10, 15, it says, and the voice spake unto me, unto him again, the second time, what God hath cleansed that call not thou common. Then in verse 26, it says, but Peter took him up saying, stand up. I myself also am a man. Uh, no, I've jumped too far. I didn't mean to jump so far. Let's go back to 15. Okay. So comes the second time and he actually goes, comes back again. God does this revelation, uh, reveals this to Peter a couple times. It's interesting that, that we have a tendency, I think, to get stuck on commandments. Um, so we get stuck on the the policies, the procedures, the way things have been done. And this, I think, is a sticking point for us when it comes to receiving further revelation, is that often there's going to be changes that need to be made that may go against the quote-unquote policy. It'll never go against doctrine. I want to make this very clear. The revelation you receive will never go against the doctrine of the gospel. So if you receive something that goes against that, that's not revelation. That is teachings from Satan. Okay, this we learn this in Doctrine and Covenants where it's the keys of how we understand revelation. However, if there's a policy thing, not a, not a doctrine thing, let's say it's a pattern in your life that you've lived and you've lived it based, let's say you received revelation that said, I want you to be living in this specific location, right? And you act on that, okay? That doesn't necessarily mean that God's always going to want you to live in that specific location for all of time. You're not stuck there, okay? So that type, those types of life changes will happen, or if it's a career or, or things like that. Um, and so I think we have a tendency to get stuck on certain policies, uh, forgetting that it was, or, or even like uh, the age change, okay? The missionary age change that occurred. If there was someone who had a tough time with that, um, because they're like, well, why is this change happening? Well, that was a policy. It wasn't a, a doctrine. It doesn't matter necessarily what age that someone goes out. There's just certain, you know, things that have to be done, but it's, it's not about the age necessarily. And so we need to remember that revelation is constantly coming and that's why policies change within the church. And that's a good thing. God is preparing us to be ready for, uh, his son's return. And so this obviously was happening for Peter. So it's an interesting kind of dynamic of, of, What's going on when it comes to the policies in the church here? Obviously, this opening up to be able to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. In our modern day, we can talk about how uh, there was, for whatever reason, and I we talked about this on an episode before, we don't know, but there was a policy within the church at some point about that uh, our, our black members could not receive the priesthood, and that policy was removed, and now everyone every worthy man is able to be a holder of the Melchizedek priest or, or, or priesthood in general. And so, very similar things. Why Why could the gospel not be preached to the Gentiles before? Don't know. Because because it was the time that was dictated not to, and then 
here's the revelation that happened that opens it up. The same thing happened for us in our modern time. This is a pattern. I don't understand the pattern, but it's a pattern that we can look through and it's happened in the old Testament. And anyway, and then now back into 26 verse 26 says, but Peter took him up saying, stand up. I myself also am a man. I love that Peter recognized that the glory is God's. It's not his, it's not ours. This is a great lesson for leadership is remembering this, that uh, especially leadership in the church, it's not about you. It's about who you're serving and always make it about who you're serving. And then you never need to worry. That is the the stop. That is the uh, the stop to your pride and making sure that Satan doesn't take over. And I've seen great church leaders who have fallen because they have lost sight of that. And then Satan's able to, uh, you know, once they're released from those callings of leadership, um, able to take that and be like, ah, oh, you're no longer important, which isn't true because it, it's not about you being important. It's about God using you as an instrument and a tool in his hands for the time and the duration. And then ideally you continue to keep up those relationships that you've built, even outside of the calling. It shouldn't have been about the calling. It should have been about serving, serving and, and loving your fellow men. So finally in Acts 10, 33, it says immediately, therefore I sent to thee and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. And I love this, that, you know, he, he prepared, this was, I believe Cornelius, um, was his name was the, uh, the Roman, I want to say it was Roman, uh, centurion. I'm not, I'm not, I literally don't have my scriptures in front of me. I should, but I love that they were ready. They were prepared to receive true revelation from God. They wanted the truth. They were, they had readied themselves for it. And this is a great lesson for us. I think that this is the same way that we should be preparing for general conference but it's also the same way we should be praying for church each week. Are we able to say the same thing when we show up to church on Sunday that we have come prepared and ready to receive truth, to hear all things that are commanded thee of God? Um, if so, then I think some some actions need to be taking place every day. We need to be pre- uh, praying and readying ourselves to receive the word. We need to be praying for those who are going to be speaking, that they can have the Holy Ghost. We need to pray that we have the Holy Ghost so that we can be enlightened and instructed we also need to be looking ourselves in the mirror and asking what needs to change within us? What ways can we repent? On and on and on. As we do that, we will have such a greater time on Sunday. We will make our Sabbath an actual enjoyable experience compared to what I believe we typically all go through, which is, ah, great. Another Sunday, another church meeting I have to sit through. Oh, I hope that, you know, sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so doesn't get up in testimony meeting and go off about whatever crazy story again. And then you come home and you're like, what did you learn in church today? Oh, I don't know. So-and-so spewed whatever random craziness and I just endured it. Our Sundays do not have to be this way and they shouldn't be this way. And I do, I do not believe truly that it matters who's speaking or whatnot. If we have prepared and prayed for the Holy Ghost and then go in with, you know, all diligence trying to find and listen that's where we'll make magical experiences for ourselves. That's where we'll connect with the Holy Ghost because it's not about the who's, it's about connecting with God and connecting with the Holy Ghost. So if we prepare, we'll have the same experience that um, that these Gentiles did as they received the gospel and were all baptized. To, uh, well, no, there's one additional scripture and then I'll conclude. In Acts chapter 15, verse 39, this uh, we, we, get, we go back to Paul, we're hearing back to uh, his mission. I'm actually gonna grab my scriptures for this one to make sure that I have the right spot. Yep. Okay. So Acts chapter 15, and it's a couple verses here. So Paul's been serving a mission. He's been learning, he's been growing, and he's been preaching. 
Um, it's funny because I'm reading in current time where I'm supposed to be, which is in first, first Corinthians. So it's funny because I have like future context to this. So all I'm going to say is that Paul in first Corinthians discusses how, when he went on his first mission or what we're, we're kind of reading about here, that he was still a baby missionary and that he wasn't, he was giving the people milk. You'll probably remember this. He was preaching with milk. He wasn't giving them meat and that as he grew, then he was able to give meat. So here, as we're talking about this first mission, he's about to go back out, you know, he's become more of this missionary. So he has this experience. He's been teaching with Barnabas and I believe, okay, so yeah, yeah. I was going to say, no, no, that's Cornelius. Yeah, okay, so he's been teaching with Barnabas. That's been his mission companion and they've been having a great time. But then something happens and in verse 36, it says, and some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of God or the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And verse 39 is what I want to hit on. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another, run one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. So, from what I understand here in the scriptures, they want to go on the they want to serve this this mission again. They want to go out again, and go preaching to the, those who they the cities they preach to. And Barnabas is like, okay, but let's take uh, John. Let's take John Mark. And Paul's like, I think that's not a good idea. He didn't help us do the work when we were in Pamphylia. Um, he abandoned us there. What's to say he won't do it again? No, we're not taking him. You know, and Barnabas is like, no, no, give him another chance. Give him another chance. Paul's like, absolutely not. He already proved to me I can't trust him. I need to have, I need to be with someone who has my back. You know, and and uh, Barnabas is like, come on, Paul. Like, you're being too hard on him. You need to, you need to believe in grace and you need to forgive him and, and move on. Paul's like, no, I need someone to have my back. We're, we're dealing with some pretty uh, bad persecution. This is me totally reading between the lines. I don't know exactly what happened here, but this is what I'm picturing, right? And these two contend with each other so sharp that they can't even travel with each other. They're like, all right, we're going our separate ways. That's some serious contention where they're like, all right, we're done. We're moving on. It says that it was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. The lesson that I took away from this is that we cannot let contention separate us from one another. And it happens all the time, happens in our families, happens in the church, uh, happens at work and in every aspect of life where contention becomes so sharp that we're like, we can't even make it through this. We've been commanded by our prophet to be peacekeepers, to work on this, to practice this. And I know it's not easy. I've had like, I have a strong testimony that it's not easy to be a peacekeeper. And it's tough because we all want to be heard. I think the, the toughest thing when it comes to keeping peace is that every single one of us wants to be heard, wants to be understood, wants to make that sure that people understand our perspectives. And it's very rare for someone to have the confidence in themselves and be able to put their ego and their pride aside to say, okay, we both want to be heard. I will listen to you first. And I'm trusting that then you will listen to me. 
and we can be able to both share where we're coming from. That's very tough. I think I've seen that be the number one stop to peacekeeping, which is that, you know, someone sharing their opinion and someone else tries to share their opinion, goes back and forth and back and forth. And soon no one's listening. Everyone's just shouting or yelling or there's that sharp contention. Uh, Things get awkward. It's like, oh man. And I, you know, if we were able to, when you can slow things down and say, hold on, whoa, whoa, everyone, let's step back. Let's take a moment. All right, you go first and you speak your full thoughts. No one's going to interrupt you. And that's the other thing. We all want to interrupt one another. But I have seen, I have seen great success when I'm able to stop my own pride, when I'm able to stop myself. And I like to move quickly. I like to jump to the conclusion. I'm always like, all right, let's just get through this. Come on. And when I can slow myself down and say, you know what? Sometimes it's, it's less about getting to that peaceful end that I want. And often the fastest way there, like fast is slow and slow is fast. The, the fastest way to get there is actually to slow things down and say, you know what? I think you just need a moment where you feel listened to and you feel heard. Because we all want that. I want that. I want to, when I'm sharing my opinion, I want for people to stop and listen to me and they don't have to agree with me. I just want to be heard. And if I want that, then there's a good chance that you want that. And when I've been able to do that, I've found great success. And so as we as we work on being peacekeepers, as we lis- work on listening to what our prophet has asked and commanded and be these peacekeepers, as we work on creating Zion in our homes, in our families, in our wards and in our communities, I think it's, it's one thing to talk about in Sunday and say, hey, we all need to be doing this. It's another thing when it comes to the practical application. So I would like to share... I believe what could have helped Paul and Barnabas here is even if they would have disagreed in the end and still decided to go separate ways, I don't believe they needed to let this sharp contention divide them the way it did, or at least what the scriptures appear to make it look like. Cause I'm who knows, maybe they did make up later and it was all good. Um, I don't remember reading that thus far. It doesn't mean that we won't get there. And I'm not, I'm not some master scriptorian who can remember all these things, but I think ultimately our goal should be, that we never leave a relationship in a way that it was it was left sharply divided. If we're not one, we're not gods. And we are going to have conflict, but we don't need to have contention. Just because we disagree doesn't mean we need to um, separate ourselves one from another. I think sometimes it's those differences, uh, even those strong differences, and marriage has been a great practice grounds of that. There's things that Lex and I still, after coming up on eight years of marriage, still do not at all see eye to eye on, but I respect her immensely, even with those differences. And honestly, sometimes it's because of those differences that I do respect her. Um, the fact that she is, does see things differently than I do and is the person that she is makes us that beautiful relationship and companionship one to another. So that's all I want to share is a couple of things of how to not let that sharp contention divide us. And I want to invite you this week to look for areas of contention in your life and then make a plan to remove it. Figure out how to actually put into practice ways to remove that contention, whether you need to apologize or find a way to create peace. I invite you to do that and do it this week. Thank you for joining my family room, my family room discussion. And until we meet again, have a blessed week.